0: So hello everyone and thank you so much for joining us today on the king's crowd startup investing podcast today we have a really interesting guest that i think you're really going to enjoy um, his name is david calloway david is the founder and ceo of an organization called Calloway climate insights um, many of our users on the king's crowd website are really interested in investing in clean energy technologies and we see all sorts of interesting companies raising in this space on the King's Crowd platform. Um, and so we wanted to bring in an expert in kind of the clean energy sector to chat with us and learn more about um, how to think about investing in the clean energy sector, and also just how to think about some of the major themes, things that are going on in this world today. Um, so with that, David, I would love to have you, uh, you know, just mention a little bit about yourself and what you're up to at Callaway Climate Insights.
1: Sure, Chris. Well, I'm a, I'm a lifelong journalist. Uh, I've worked for newspapers. I've worked for wire services. Uh, I worked at a, a startup uh, uh, 25 years ago called Bloomberg, which I think went on to do something. Um, I worked uh, <laughs> at a startup uh, called CBS MarketWatch in the digital financial news space. I was the editor in chief for many years. We, we raised money, went public and, and sold that business to Dow Jones back in 2005. I was the editor-in-chief of USA Today uh, for many years, and most recently, the CEO of The Street, uh, which owns the street.com, the business with uh, Jim Cramer, as many people know. And we turned that business around and sold it uh, a couple of years ago before the pandemic. So during the pandemic, I I kind of wondered what I was going to do. I knew I wanted to write. I knew I wanted to be in the startup game. And I've always been fascinated by climate change and not just the politics of it or even the science of it, but the, the stories behind the entrepreneurs, the small businesses, the startups, the big businesses that are putting are starting to put a lot of money into the space. I started thinking about this, Chris, about 10 years ago, but then <laughs> there wasn't a lot going on. There was, there was a, a couple years of uh, intensity around what was then called clean tech. Uh, and it was really the beginning of what today is the is the clean energy business. Uh, lots of startups, but uh, nothing really ended up happening. It fizzled out. We ran into the financial crisis and um, and that kind of, it died a little bit or kind of went into hibernation. But it's come back with a vengeance in the last few years. Uh, the environmental, social, and governance space, the so-called ESG space, is the hottest space in the markets. And investors are plowing money into it. Banks Mutual fund companies are creating new products tied to it, and all of them are looking for that next great Amazon or Apple or or, uh, Twitter or whatever of of the ESG space. They're looking at electric vehicles, batteries, wind turbines, solar power, all sorts of different industries um, that are growing and and rewarding uh, entrepreneurs who who are building startups in the space the same time, a lot of the more mature companies are getting in as well. So it's a great intersection of finance and technology and entrepreneurship with, of course, the most pressing problem of our time, maybe after COVID, right? But the most pressing problem long term. Uh, And so I think it's a fascinating space. We've been doing it for more than a year. Uh, We got thousands of uh, people who have signed up and uh, I'm going to continue growing it.
0: Very, very cool. And I, kind of undersold you there on purpose because I wanted to be able to introduce yourself. But David is definitely kind of a legend of the journalism world. And it's a a real privilege to get to speak with you. So thanks for taking the time today. Um, Obviously, love what you're up to and think it's really, really interesting. And there's so many major themes in kind of the clean energy space that we're seeing play out right now. And you're absolutely right. It's both the big players and the small players that are kind of going after probably one of those markets where there's going to be multiple trillion dollar companies created out of uh, the needs that we have today. Um, so the first one that I'd love to learn a little bit more about from you is um, you know when it comes to EV vehicles right We just saw that GM is putting an incredible amount of capital towards um, EV vehicles. Can you talk a little bit about what you think is driving this market forward where we're seeing it's not just going to be about Tesla anymore it's going to be all of the major car manufacturers and what does that mean for more of these upstarts like a Lordstown et cetera
1: Right. Well, you know, it's interesting, Chris. Back uh, about 20 years ago, um, when I was at MarketWatch, uh, Microsoft owned the, the software business and, and companies like Dell and, and Gateway and IBM owned the computer business. And, and and Apple Apple had this tiny following. It was only about 3% of all computer users, but they were rabid followers. And, and now we've seen Apple develop, you know, essentially build, New businesses, not just around computers, uh, but mobile, the mobile phone business, the music business, that the you know the streaming business, and, and uh, um, it was just an incredible bet to make 20 years ago in a company with a small market share. Tesla started like that in EVs, right? Tesla wasn't the first company to do them, but they were the first company to make them sexy, uh, and we've seen Tesla rewarded and Tesla shareholders rewarded sometimes against you know you know, what I would consider to be all odds, but uh, the (laughs) shares were kept going up uh, over the years. Um, And, but still, EVs are a very minuscule part of the auto market right now, roughly about 3%, even less in the U.S., a little bit more in Europe, 6%. So, um, So to see these companies, not just the General Motors, but the Volkswagens and the Fords, um, uh, and some of the Japanese companies piling in, Volvo's, uh, um, you know, is Fiat's in Italy. The, you're seeing, you're seeing the folks who are running these companies saying, "This is the future. We're not going to miss. We're not going to miss out on it. We're certainly not going to cede it to Tesla." Part of that is also thanks to some of the startup companies that have sprouted up in the last f- few years. Though, Lordstown, um, um, Fisker, uh, Nikola. Um, you know, all sorts of companies, and, you know, there's been a lot of uh, market enthusiasm about it, probably too much speculation, and these companies started to get ahead of themselves, as startups tend to do, uh, investors threw billions at them through, uh, through special acquisition purpose vehicles, through SPACs, uh, and we've seen these companies, particularly Nikola and Lordstown, get into trouble uh, with the SEC and, uh, and kind of with their business model, it seemed there was more, uh, more smoke than fire, right? But, um, but they stirred something at the big automakers who are now coming in with the vengeance. And I still think there's a lot of room for the, for the startups in the EV space, particularly in the uh, battery space, which is gonna be fueling all these EVs. A lot of the big companies are doing deals with startups uh, on battery production and battery manufacturing plants um, in the EV charging station space, right? There's no one that really owns that market right now. And you know, the jury's out on whether it's gonna be owned by the big gas station owners or the automakers or entirely new sets of uh, of energy companies. So lots of opportunity in this space and yet it's still relatively small. So. A lot of fund managers who are betting on it would think it could be 40 or 50% of the auto market in 10 years. Maybe that's a little uh, uh, enthusiastic, but uh, it's certainly going to be growing a lot more than where it is now. Really
0: interesting. We've definitely seen several companies in the, the regulation crowdfunding space that have raised both for creating full vehicles, and we've also seen a lot of different battery technologies. But one of the interesting ones that I saw recently, it was at an event where... Um, I saw Toyota has been working on some sort of hydrogen battery technology. Um, do you think we kind of have the answer to the battery yet? Or are we still searching for that thing that's, you know, going to allow these cars to go more than three or 400 miles before you got to stop and wait 20 minutes, a half hour for your car to charge? Yeah, I
1: mean, it's a bit of a chicken and egg thing, right? Nobody's going to buy those cars um, unless they can, you know, be assured that they're going to be able to get to where they need to go and, you know, in the time they need to go there. Um, That's why I think the battery space is the most interesting space and the one where technology companies, specifically uh, young technology companies, are going to be able to make the most difference. The automakers know how to put together cars, um, but they're not so much, you know, uh, experts on the battery space. I don't think anybody has solved that, whether it's lithium ion or non-lithium ion or, or uh, hydrogen fuel cells, you know, everybody's trying a different one, um, but there's no clear, you know, front runner in this space. And I think the auto companies are trying to hedge their bets by partnering with a lot of them. Uh, but as a front runner or two emerge, it's gonna be fascinating to watch.
0: That's really interesting. Um, Another area that I'd love to hop into, and I I could talk all day just about the EV stuff, um, is carbon capture technologies, carbon capture using timber. Um, Obviously, a big story recently about JP Morgan purchasing a huge timber asset manager company um, with the idea of getting into that game. About a year ago, we saw uh, in the regulation crowdfunding space a company come uh, called Worldtree that was allowing people to invest in these large you know, timber farms that are gonna help with carbon offsets. Can you talk a little bit about that major trends we're seeing, why people are getting into it, the kind of economic opportunity you're seeing play out on that space? Certainly,
1: I, I, I think, uh, Chris, it's, it's become sort of accepted wisdom in the climate space that it's, it's really not gonna be enough to save the planet uh, by simply stopping burning fossil fuels we have to start taking carbon out of the atmosphere. Uh, We have to sort of pull in what we've already done because what we've already done is probably already too much uh, for the earth to take. So um, one of the most interesting spaces really in the last six to nine months has been the carbon storage business. And you're seeing interesting entrepreneurs who are pulling it out of air, we're pulling it out of the ocean. There's this group down in LA I'm spacing on their name now, but they're actually, they're actually pulling carbon out of um, sea particles, um, sea, you know, living sea uh, 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 particles and creating things like fancy uh, faux leather purses and silverware and stuff like that. Uh, and it's all going towards helping pull carbon from the sea and creating interesting products. A lot of the VCs I talked to are targeting carbon store, carbon uh, removal and carbon storage right now. And, and the carbon storage side really is the forest side, the trees suck in carbon. Um, and so if you have a lot, a lot of forestry, um, you've got some interesting hedges against fossil fuel burning, but also um, there's a market developing and you mentioned JP Morgan for carbon offsets. Well, big polluters, gas companies, oil companies, can buy the offsets in a market. Uh, California has a strong market. Uh, Europe has a strong market. The UK just started their own market. China's developing a market. You can buy these carbon offsets at specific carbon prices, which are market-focused uh, and market-based and, and offset what's your pollu- you know your pollution. And so while that doesn't actually do a lot to take the pollution out of the atmosphere, it does make it more expensive for these companies to pollute because they have to buy the offsets. So what JP Morgan's doing, it buys this big forest investor, which owns, I think, 1.7 million acres of forestry around the world. And uh, it can build offsets off of that, uh, that it can sell. So it can play both sides of the market. So I think you know, we're going to see over the next five years, the carbon markets are going to become one of the new hot markets you know more so maybe even than crypto right uh, but you start to see it gain some some sex appeal.
0: And what do you think uh, investors who you know I'm sure as we're kind of sitting here over the next year, or two years we will see several startups come and kind of playing in that carbon market space. Um, what are the things that investors should consider from a regulatory perspective and just in general, as they approach thinking about investing in startups that are maybe trying to tackle carbon type issues?
1: Well, like any startup investor, you, you need to be careful that there's not more hype than 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 substance, right? And and the carbon offset market, like a lot of the ESG market in general, is is, is very much hype more hype than substance these days. The, you know, if I if I'm Am uh, uh, Exxon and I, I want to buy a million dollars worth of offsets because I put a million dollars worth of carbon into the air. Um, you know, does the offset in a forest in Oregon equal? Does the offset in a forest in Indonesia? Um, different trees have different amounts of carbon, they suck. So the markets are imperfect, um, which will allow for a lot of arbitrage and interesting uh, plays going forward. But uh, investors just need to be a little bit careful. The regulations on these things are nowhere near fixed. The <laughs> metrics are nowhere near fixed. So it's a, it's a little bit of a gut you know, a gut feeling and, and a little bit of an extra risk. Uh, but that's why uh, a lot of investors are in startups anyway.
0: Right, absolutely. Um, so I'd like to kind of do a half jump back and a half talk on a, another topic. So one of the other things that a lot of people talk about when it comes to Um, you know, EV vehicles, right? These electric vehicles as well. If the source of power for those vehicles isn't clean, then just because, you know, the gas isn't, or the the fumes aren't coming out the back of the car, it doesn't mean that it's not being done somewhere else that I can't visually see, right? So isn't really better. And one of those major new power sources that is renewable um, is wind energy. And we're finally seeing for the first time in the United States, you know, we're building wind farms uh, offshore. Uh, We're building wind farms on, on land. Uh, and really investing in that space. We're seeing GEs come out with what, like the largest uh, windmills or whatever you want to call them in the world. Um, really interested to hear your thoughts on this space. Where is kind of wind energy in the United States going from here? Um, yeah, we'd love to get your thoughts on that.
1: So um, to begin with, on the first part of your of your question, the, um, the flip side of the electric vehicle vehicle boom is that it is carbon intensive, right? Tesla emits a lot of carbon. Um, it uh, the electricity that these companies use is may is generated, uh, you know, a lot from carbon. Um, the batteries um, are, are using chemicals and minerals um, that are, are generated, you know, by um, uh, carbon intensive mining activities, fracking, stuff like that. Um, so there's You need to watch out for that. You know, there's no pure uh, EV play where there's no carbon involved, at least so far. We'll see how that develops. But in terms of the electric grid and where these EVs are pulling the electricity from, that is getting more renewable by the year, by the month almost. And part of a lot of that is solar. And a lot of it, as you pointed out, is wind. And in in the wind space, the US has been, for the most part, way behind Europe um, in that wind space. Europe has taken advantage of it, the North Sea uh, wind to create uh, offshore wind farms, onshore wind farms. Um, and they've got big uh, companies like Orsted uh, um, uh, in Scandinavia, and uh, in Denmark, I think it is, and um, uh, Ibridola in Spain. Uh, they're investing big time in, in wind systems. And the US was kind of caught uh, for many years, um, in, in, and still to some extent is caught in the kind of where do we put this stuff? You know, local fishermen don't want it in there, you know, outside of Boston and, or in the Gulf of Mexico, or California, you know, it's, not, it's unattractive. Um, and so, and then we went through the Trump years, right, and nothing happened. Now, the Biden years are starting to approve these projects. A big one just got approved off of Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts. There's another big one off of Rhode Island, New York and New Jersey are announcing plans for their own. Even California is looking down off the LA coast, um, Gulf of Mexico. And so these offshore wind, and and they're using, a lot of it is coming from help um, from the European powerhouses, or bring, you know, developing the systems. You did mention GM's got these wild wind turbines, and and it's in the game too. It really, not GM, GE, um, it's in the game too. Um, but the opportunity for the startups there is really in kind of AI and metric measurement, right? The, the wind and, and solar and wind power to some extent is dependent upon the weather and the sun, right? Um, and the wind doesn't blow consistently 24 hours a day. So what do you do when it's down? What do you do when it's up? And, and people who own these wind turbines, big companies uh, and the investors who own them need better ways to measure um, how much power they're getting and when, you know, when they can ramp up, when they should ramp down. So there's a lot of interesting startups in that space. And I think you know, really the, the, the whole explosion of AI um, is, gonna, is gonna revolutionize the renewable energy space because you're gonna be able to, to create algorithms and functions that, uh, that folks in, in early renewable procedures just weren't able to do. Um, so, you know, if I'm a startup, if I'm an investor looking for startups in wind, that's where I'm looking.
0: Very, very interesting. Well, we've talked about some major themes here, carbon capture, EVs, uh, clean energy production with, you know, with wind. Um, is there any other major themes, you know, again, as we think about investors considering looking for startups and things of that nature, are there any other mega themes, uh, in the clean energy space that you think are worth mentioning?
1: Well, in the clean energy space, you could look at uh, geothermal, right? Um, nuclear is, is in the mix. And, and that's something that really hasn't gained a lot of investment in the U.S. Uh, for a long time, but is, is starting to come back in some circles. Um, but just in the, in, the, in the climate change world, the climate finance world, cleaning up the ocean is generating a ton of startups, so-called ocean tech is huge um fashion uh the most waste almost the most wasteful industry in the world maybe more wasteful than food systems right uh is generating tons of really cool um startups that are using different ways to um to save uh, energy and save money in the fashion world in the development and usage and waste of products um agriculture obviously so there's lots of uh there's room for everybody in this space, Chris. And uh, and I think we're going to start to, uh, the smart investor needs to monitor all of it and uh, and really kind of watch for the angles of who's going to start to sprout out.
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, as we're getting wrapped up here, one thing I would like to mention to investors uh, listening in, uh, as of June 23rd when we're, we're taping this, um, we have a few companies that will be raising for at least a couple months longer, if you're interested in getting into the clean energy space uh, that look interesting based on some King's Crowd data. Uh, the first company I'll mention is LPP Fusion, which is on WeFunder and is creating a green fusion energy generation um, product. Worth checking out, really interesting technology there. Um, there's another company called Flower Turbines going to our wind energy conversation. Um, they are located on Start Engine. They've done multiple raises online um, and are building innovative small wind turbines. It's a really cool technology uh, and they are getting some very nice traction as well. And lastly, an earlier stage technology that's still in development, but building something really cool in the fuel space. Manta Biofuel, located on Republic, uh, they're reinventing crude oil. Uh, renewably this time with algae-based fuels. Definitely something that's pretty neat, very interesting science, worth checking out and learning more about. Um, But before we head out today, David, I'd love to hop back to you and say for anyone who wants to get more insights, I know I subscribe to your newsletter, I find it really useful in terms of strategically thinking about the clean energy space. For those who wanna join Callaway Climate Insights, what can they do um, in order to better inform themselves on this space?
1: Well, you can, you can start by going to CallawayClimateInsights.com, that's C-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. Uh, you can subscribe for free, see if you like it. We publish four days a week. Um, and if you like it, we have a premium uh, 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 level, um, which is for now is only $5 a month. We've got a special going on, 4th of July special. So if you go right away, it's that you can get in uh, at a good price. Um, we look forward to uh, seeing you. Most of our readers are asset managers, sustainability executives, uh, startup entrepreneurs, media types like myself, uh, and uh, and small business aficionados like, uh, like you, Chris.
0: Outstanding. Well, thank you so much, David. It's been a really informative conversation. And for those who want to learn more about those organizations we mentioned today on the call, uh, you can go to Kingscrowd.com to check them out. Thank you all for tuning in and have a wonderful day. Take
1: care now.